Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7 and 7 through 19. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with a bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 18 through 22. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. May this be instruction for your the, for the people, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have wrought all this greatness, so that your servant may know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is no one like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. My point is this, heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves, though they are the owners of all the property. But they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Good morning and welcome to the 34th day of Martin Tide. This is Brother Logan Isaac. Broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings come from Psalm 80 and 2 Samuel 7 and Galatians 4. Um, Friday, uh, I typically read <clears throat> the psalm using feminine pronouns for God, but I did not see any because it's all in the first person. Uh, no, I'm sorry, second person. Um, 
not in the third person, so there's no uh, gendered pronouns. It's all you. Um, and this morning, um, there's a reading from uh, uh, something I hadn't come across and it proposes some ideas that I think are quite fascinating. And now I kind of want to look them up. <clears throat> and it's a very brief reading uh, from uh, Kellyanne Wilson of AroundTheYear.org. Um, I'm not going to be using the image that she uses for the 34th day of Martin Tide, um, but I selected my own image. And uh, But the reading, I think, is a really good find. I'm really curious how she's found all these. They're really good. Um, and the, the reading is from Ivan J. Kaufman, uh, his book, Follow Me, a, a History of Christian Intentionality, published in 2009. And he writes of Martin, uh, quote, Martin of Tours would leave behind three permanent legacies. The first was his example of being a person who was the equal of emperors and intellectuals, even though he had no education and had refused military service. The second was Martin's example as a monk who served as a bishop. This would become a tradition in France and would do much to establish the tradition of celibate monastic practice for all clergy in Western Christianity. Martin's third legacy was his insistence that the church and its leaders had an authority independent of civil government another feature of Western civilization that is unique and which would have enormous consequences in later centuries, end quote. And first of all, uh, I think these are great, with the exception that um, I think a finer tooth comb needs to be put to it, or a finer point, um, and that is that Martin did not, <clears throat> in fact, refuse military service. Martin refused to fight, not to serve, um, and so there is a very important distinction, something I call the Martinian difference uh, between pugnare, which is fighting and doing battle, and uh, militis or milis, which is to serve and to, to participate in the order of society and other things. Um, and it is an important distinction because not all soldiers fight. Um, not all soldiers are pugnare. Um, and some fighters, quite frankly, are part of the military, like CIA officers, um, and the extent to which we are able to weaponize information. There's a bit of a, a debate, or at least um, tension, uh, unspoken tension, within the wider military community with CIA officers and other DOD contractors or employees who uh, do not swear allegiance to the Constitution or the officers appointed above them, but who do participate in the ordering of society and um, and something like military force. So CIA officers, and I use them just because they're probably the most prominent, um, are not considered veterans. They don't receive veterans benefits, um, even though they put they deploy, they put themselves in, in the line of danger. Often they'll carry weapons that are issued, um, but they don't, they're not veterans. We don't think of them as military veterans, even though they are part of our military. Um, and the second point um, is one that I'm especially interested in, and that is that Martin, <clears throat> to my knowledge, monasticism as a movement emerged um, most notably um, uh, from uh, St. Anthony of the Desert and then later um, communal monastics. Anthony was an air medic. He went off on his own. 
and it was largely a response to the corruption in the urban church as right around the time that Christianity was legalized in the 4th century by Constantine I. And the early monastics, uh, you know, wanted to be deeply religious, but they felt that, that churches and bishops and priests had become a little bit too embedded with the state and did things for political gain or financial gain, and not necessarily for the souls of other human beings. Um, and so they, it was largely a protest movement. Antony did it first. It became very popular after St. Jerome wrote a biography. And then Severus wrote Martin's biography, and he did something similar. He wasn't an Hermetic, but he was a monastic. He left the urban center. Um, you know, it's questionable if he ever felt, you know, attracted to the urban center. But as soon as he comes of age, he's in the military. And while he's in the military, he's serving the provinces in Gaul and Germania. And, <clears throat> um, you know, he certainly would have seen cities, spent time in them, but the extent to which he felt, a, you know, like a city dweller is perhaps not necessarily, you know, not the most accurate. And as soon as he gets out of the military, he goes off to find Hilary Poitier and he creates a monastic community at Ligouget, which still exists. There's still an abbey there that he founded. Um, and so when we say monk um, and the monastics, they were either solitary figures and aromatic, or they were communal figures and cenobitic. Uh, Martin attracted people, but he didn't go out seeking them. He was mostly concerned with converting pagans and setting up churches. Um, but he was a monk, and he didn't like living in the urban center. He created a monastery across the river from his cathedral in Tours at, the, at Marmoutier, and what, what is now Marmoutier. <clears throat> and the extent to which the monastic impulse, uh, you know, certainly... Uh, imagine or um, represented in Martin's life, whether the extent to which that was um, unique at the time, and then the extent to which it was Martin himself that influenced the celibate monastic practice in Western Christendom is very interesting to me. It may, may very well be true. I don't know of another monastic prior to Martin who serves as a bishop. And, uh, by the way, Martin was never ordained a priest. The extent to which you are ordained as a bishop is just kind of a bit murky. Uh, the church had just been legalized, and, um, you know, the extent to which ordination itself was a formal process is just, it wasn't the same kind of setup. So it, I don't want to anachronize it by saying that he was or was not ordained. He did refuse to be a priest, which is to prepare the elements and serve communion. Um, but he did do that as a bishop. So anyway, the that just really makes me very curious uh, whether or not and to what extent Martin really did influence the celibate and the monastic um, kind of, uh, you know, basis in modern and even pre-modern, like medieval and modern, um, uh, you know, religious uh, Christian institutions. And then finally, and this is uh, draws into the image that I selected today, the idea that, um, and it is true, I think, um, certainly the most vociferous um, in exclaiming and insisting that 
the church is its own unique standalone thing that doesn't rely on the civil government. That was very much at play um, in his very overt objection to the, the execution of Priscillian. Uh, Priscillian was the first heretic murdered by the church, and they used state power to do it. I won't go into the whole story, but um, uh, Ambrose of Milan, um, the Pope at the time, Pope Sirisius, were also against it, but Martin very publicly excommunicates the bishops who were trying to get it to happen and who did finally succeed in getting basically a peer, um, getting him executed because he had his teachings were false and were very popular. And so <clears throat> Martin argued against that, and the very the the core thesis of his argument was um, the secular government does not get involved in ecclesiastical matters. Um, that yes, the government may, uh, according to Romans thirteen, execute judgment and and deter evildoers, um, but that isn't what the church does. And furthermore, the those governing authorities do not exercise that power within the church. Um, that his argument failed, or he failed, and uh, Priscillian was executed, and that led to a long history of killing uh, heretics rather than, say, you know, letting them have their say and, you know, just continuing to teach right doctrine or something. I don't know. Um, and so, though the, the first and the last, um, I think, are, are very clear. And in the image today, it's from a, a chasuble in the Layman collection, and it shows uh, Martin. Um, <clears throat> it shows Martin catechizing the emperor's wife, Emperor Maximian, and I think it it shows very clearly uh, the first point that he is a person of equal status to emperors and intellectuals, even though I think the the language is misleading about refusing military service. I think Kaufman is wrong there. Um, but clearly he is the equal, if not the superior, um, in uh, receiving the empress for catechism. And Maximian, I don't, I don't know how much he considered himself a Christian, he may not have. Um, but they're coming to this you know, itinerant exorcist and, la- and at that time bishop to be formed as a, as a Christian. Um, but also it's, it's worth being remembered that... Um, although Martin insisted and acted in ways that made him an equal to emperors and intellectuals, um, he, and he argued that they were not greater, he did ultimately fail in making sure that, um, that Priscillian, that a Christian wasn't executed. Um, his argument stands, and I think it's the right argument, um, but in his case, um, you know, this precedent-setting moment in uh, 385 when the church decided to kill rather than um, engage or disengage. Um, they, the, these Spanish bishops felt that the only option or the best option was to shut him up by um, taking his life, which is you know just un, unspeakably tragic that uh, Christians believed this and acted on it and finally accomplished it. But it can't be... Um, it cannot be uh, debated that Martin um, considered himself and advocated the other bishops be considered um, equal to emperors and intellectuals, um, that the authority of the church is independent from civil government, um, and it may very well be, and, and I'm excited now to look it up, 
whether or not he influenced and kind of created the tradition of celibate monastic practice in Western Christianity. A prayer for the church from the Book of Common Prayer. Gracious Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Fill it with all truth, and all truth with all peace. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is an error, direct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in want, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Savior. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.